Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And it is my pleasure to introduce you today to a very special guest, someone who's going to really explain to us how we can take our happiness, if you will, and create profit out of it uh, through business franchising. Michael Peterson is a franchise expert. Michael, it's my pleasure to meet you. How are you today? You know, Dr. Play, it's great to meet you, and it's so good to be on your show. Things are going great, man. Always, right. every day. Yeah, yeah. And you told me that you're in Dallas. What's the weather like today in, in um, COVID land? <laughs> yes. Um, it, uh, today, it is uh, 70. When I woke up this morning, it was 34. Um, so, you know, it's you never know in Dallas. They say, if you don't like the weather, stick around five minutes. Ah, stick around five minutes. Interesting. All right. Well, you know, Michael, one of the things that I shared with you before we started is I really appreciate um, the idea of franchising and you as the president and owner, um, you know, of, of a franchising organization. I, I wonder if you could just tell us what franchising is and how sure. it works. But, but, but before we get there, could you tell us how you became the leader of this organization? What put you on the path to being an expert in this field? Sure. So um, I think if you ask 100 people in franchising that question, 99 of them are going to answer the same way I'm about to, which is I fell into it. You fell into it. <laughs> I fell into it. Um, I was uh, running a marketing company in um, Phoenix, Arizona, um, and I had a business partner who was a ex-franchisee of a company. Uh, and they had started becoming, uh, you know, they'd started a new brand and they had hunted us to come down and launch uh, their franchise development department. And I'm like, franchising, uh, you mean McDonald's? We're going to work for McDonald's? Uh, <laughs> um, and turned out to be what was a year later, the fastest growing franchise in the world and the uh, fastest growing privately held company in Orange County. Um, some people might have heard of a company called Vizio kind of a little startup company. <laughs> they were on the uh, stage to the right of us as the second fastest growing company in Orange County that year. Uh, so I would say got trial by fire in franchising. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what did you do, do before franchising? What, what were your core sort of basic skills, if you will? Like mine, I, I was a musician before I really did anything. And um, uh, he, here we are, I have a PhD and all kinds of books written and all kinds of new stuff. So what, what were you before this and how'd you get to this? Um, you know, when my wife and I talk, she likes to say that um, I've lived four lifetimes uh, <laughs> because I've done a lot of things. Um, you know, I really, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life in some way or another. I did a three-year stint in the United States Army, um, steel rain, driving MLRSs. Uh, but other than that, I started uh, my first business. I became a partner in my first business at 16 years old. Um, selling door-to-door -door vacuum cleaners. Um, but it actually kind of starts maybe three years before that. My dad was doing um, sales, in-home sales, $1,500 smoke alarms. Wow. You can imagine that might be a hard sell. Um, and at 12 years old, I was on the phone um, doing what we call smiling and dialing, uh, setting appointments for him. Um, and the first time he came home and he had gotten two sales out of my phone calls, um, and he handed me $300 bills for each one of them, uh, 600 bucks cash. Um, I'm like, I like this gig. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's what really put me down the road to sales. 
Uh, and then franchising is just another part of sales. Yeah. You know what? I'm excited to talk to you because for me, sales did not come that easy. In fact, I remember a conversation where um, a, a boss of mine actually said, you know, you, you, you ought to consider sales. And I said, no, I could never sell anything. I'm, I'm not the front face of anything. I, I don't feel comfortable. Uh, look at me today. It's like, I'm, it's, it's natural for me. In fact, for me, sales is talking. It's breathing. It's what oh, you yeah. do all the time because someone's either selling you or you're selling them. Exactly. Um, so, so now if you could just tell us what is front franchising. As you said, when I think of franchising, the first thing I think of is, McDonald's, <laughs> and then of course McDonald's, there's been that Subway, movie, Seven Eleven. Seven, right? yeah, there's been the movie uh, with McDonald's, and then there's Michael Gerber and his right. book. Give right. us a bigger picture of franchising. So yeah, franchising is um, a one point. It's a one point two trillion dollar GDP every year, so it's wow. not small. Yeah. Um, franchising employs um, approximately thirty percent of the U.S. population in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's actually a little over 20%, actually. Um, so it's everywhere. Uh, you wouldn't even think about it. Um, but I'll, I'll throw some names out. And I have nothing to do with any of these companies. Um, Molly Maids, franchise. Janneking, franchise. 7-Eleven, franchise. Hilton, hotels, franchise, right? Um, so we just ran the gamut from somebody who comes and, and mops your floor for you uh, to Hilton, right? Yeah. Really, franchising is defined um, very clearly. You have a system, you teach it to somebody else, you charge them a fee, and they use your trademarks. Mm. We call that the three-legged stool. Um, and the reason we actually put a lot of emphasis on that in this, uh, in this industry is because there's a ton of accidental franchisors um, who do that, um, and they don't um, follow the rules of franchising uh, because they don't realize they're a franchise. Uh, so that's really at a super broad definition what a franchise is. Uh, franchi franchises are usually though food, service, uh, business to business, um, or you know some sort of replicatable system like a hotel. You know that's a that's a really good actually very academic um, uh, description there. You you need to write a book, my friend. Have you written a book? I did. I did. What, what, what's it called? How and why to franchise your business. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. So, so you'll have to give me a link to that so I can share it in this episode. For sure. Um, uh, that's powerful. You know, when, when I was listening to you, you said some, something that I thought was very interesting. You mentioned um, accidental franchisers. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, um, maybe a couple of uh, conversations prior to this, I said to you that you reminded me of Michael Gerber, who wrote the book, yep. The E-Myth. Right. One of the things he talks about is that whether or not you're into franchising as a, a business owner, you should build your business as though you're going to sell it. Right. Yes. Because, yeah, because that mindset helps you develop the systems that, that other people will benefit from or that you will benefit from. Um, first of all, for those who may have not have heard of Michael Gerber, I'll give you the, the academics uh, hot seat to explain to, to, to us who Michael Gerber is and, and what his book was and, and how he used franchising as the core process in his book. Right. So Michael Gerber, uh, E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited. And then, you know, he uh, he found something that worked and stuck with it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. there's a few more after that. <laughs> yeah. um, but but the basic premise, uh, he uses something in there I call, uh, or that I love, he calls it, I love it, entrepreneurial spasm. 
Mm. Right. Which is that uh, you're doing something every day. You're working for the, uh, you know, you're working for the man. Um, and you're like, man, I can do this better than them. I can make more of the profit. Um, you know, they're not working that hard. They're just sitting up there in their ivory tower. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go do this thing myself. Um, <laughs> That's the spasm, right? I exactly. want to go do this myself now. <laughs> um, but then he talks about, first of all, why maybe you shouldn't do that. And he talks about the engineers. Um, he's got three different types of personalities and, and who should and shouldn't do it. Um, but when it comes to the part of the franchising that you mentioned, basically it's be, and I, I actually, it actually matches perfectly with one of my philosophies, which is trying to do everything with intentionality. Yeah. Uh, but he talks about beginning with the end in mind, right? Um, and so a franchisor or a would-be franchisor, a company who wants to franchise, my first question is, what would happen if you decided not to show up for work for three months? Mm. Would your business fail? And of course, for most people, the answer is yes. Yeah. Okay, fine. Let me re-ask the question. If you decided to not show up for work for three months, six months from now, and you had six months advance notice, what would happen? And if you yeah, can't yeah. tell me that your business would work, um, then you can't franchise it, right? Uh, and so Michael goes into talking about these systems and processes and procedures that you can put in place so that your business doesn't need you. Because as long as your business needs you, um, you know, it's, it's not going to have an exit strategy. Yeah. You know, and you and I are great examples of that. Um, my business is me, right? I mean, yeah. myself and my business partner, that's, that is what people buy. Mm -hmm. um, I am on your podcast because of you, right? So we are, we are really the epitome of a non-franchisable business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I appreciate that introduction. Very, very cool. Because I think if, <clears throat> if anyone sets up what franchising is and it, what its, um, its benefits are, indirectly so well it's it's that book and that mm -hmm. particular individual but why don't you tell us a little bit about the the challenges that a regular person may be feeling or experiencing that that could lead them to maybe benefit the most from franchising and maybe even tell us how you specifically help them with that maybe what's in your book i'd love to know what <laughs> methodologies you have sure sure so um of course, there's two sides of the coin of franchising, and that's franchisee, franchisor. So talking about franchisor, um, if you have a model that is scalable, that is something that you could, that's replicatable, um, that could function without you as long as you were able to teach people how to do it, um, the next question is, how do you grow it? Um, and let's say it costs you $200,000 to get your business up and running. Well, that means when you spend another $200,000, you've got another business. You've got another 200,000, you've got another business, right? Um, that in and of itself is not scalable and sustainable unless you get some really good angel capital or investment or something like that. Um, so that's one of the key benefits to franchising, uh, OPM, other people's money, right? Um, you're using other people's money to grow your brand and at the same time, if you're doing it right, giving them an equal or greater value for mm -hmm. their money. Um, so that's a big key to franchising is speed to market, uh, multiple market penetrations, um, and being able to take your good core business that you've developed and spread it quickly across the country into markets you may not understand. Um, you know, I mean, you and I are both in Texas, right? Um, and you're, neither of us are originally from here. Um, and a, when you got here, you did not understand this market. Um, I sure as heck didn't. Mm -hmm. um, so if I was selling a franchise to somebody in Texas when I was in California, they'd get it. 
right? We I worked with a I worked with a restaurant, a um, a small uh, you know restaurant in Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. and his first franchisee, believe it or not, was in San Antonio, um, and he's like, listen, we have to have jalapenos available on the counter. Yeah. That's something that's a condiment you have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy in Colorado would have never considered that, you know, because jalapenos in Colorado, not really necessary. Um, and so by taking that local knowledge, that person has that local understanding of their marketplace and combining it with your knowledge of your industry, you get a perfect marriage. Wow. You know, I've, I've <clears throat> not only not only do I know that franchises are a great business uh, situation, I also know that there are some people who are afraid of them, or maybe they've mm-hmm. tried them and it didn't quite work. Mm-hmm. What are the possible mindset uh, hurdles maybe that people have to, to overcome? Or, or, sure. or what are the things people need to avoid in order to make sure that when they go down this path, they will be successful? So I think I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't answer that question from both sides, franchisee yeah. and franchisor. Um, so since we started talking about franchisor sticking there, um, you know, again, going back to Michael Ber- uh, Michael Gerber, and he talks about the bakery, right? And the baker, right? If you love baking, if baking is your passion, if you wake up every morning and all you can think about is making cookies, don't become a bakery owner because you're not going to bake anymore, right? Um, a lot of business owners love the business they're in and they love selling or uh, providing whatever service they do. And just like the decision they made, and any entrepreneur can relate to this, there was a decision in their life where they decided to become an entrepreneur. Um, they're making that same decision again. They're now switching fields completely from preschool owner, one of my franchises is a preschool, mm-hmm. to franchisor, who doesn't spend much time in preschools at all. Um, you know, And so that's the first thing I would say is that's the first challenge is you find out that you did, you were doing what you were doing because you loved it. Yeah. Now I work with a gentleman um, by the name of Dr. James Pinkney. He's here in Dallas. Um, you might have seen him on Ann Curie's uh, The Cure, um, and we, I've helped him franchise his business, Diamond mm-hmm. Physicians, uh, Concierge Medicine. Um, Dr. James went to medical school, right? Graduated with honors. Did his internship at Cedar Sinai. Great guy. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Robinson Award, forty under forty, all that. But he he doesn't he likes doctoring he really does mm-hmm. but he didn't like the the uh, the BS <laughs> that yeah, comes yeah. with it um, and he realized that he was more of an entrepreneur that's the perfect person to franchise a business he had built up a successful practice mm-hmm. but he realized that he wanted to take that next step and so then that was the natural next step for him was to become a franchisor that's that's the person who should yeah. become a franchisor for a franchisee. Mm-hmm. There's rules. I would make a horrible franchisee, man. I'll tell you what, because you teach me how to do your business today. Mm-hmm. Three weeks now, I know how to do it better than you. <laughs> uh, right. And that is an attitude that is prevalent in entrepreneurship. It yep. has to be. You have to have such a ridiculous level of faith in yourself that's probably ill placed mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that you're going <clears throat> to think you can do things better than other people. If you are that person, don't become a franchisee Hmm. because you have to follow my systems. You have to follow my process. Mm -hmm. You have to swallow your pride and accept when I say, you know what? That was a great idea. And I can see how that would benefit your location in Austin. But for our system, it's not going to work. 
So you can't do it in Austin. Yeah. Because it's got to be a system that's across the country, across the world, depending on the size of the franchise. Um, also, don't assume that selling a lot of franchises means success. Yeah. It doesn't. Just because a franchisor um, is selling a ton of franchises, they just might have somebody like, um, I don't know, uh, Michael Peterson working for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, really check out that model. How do you check out that model? You talk to people who have their boots on the ground who are doing the job, franchisees, every franchise will let you do it yeah. um, and make sure that you relate to them. Pick the five, you know, five, what you can found to be the five most successful franchisees, five least successful, figure out who you relate to. Yeah. If it's the bottom five, which it will be sometimes, don't buy that franchise. Yeah. You know, um, I, I can see how, I can see your strength in sales right now. I love it because you are telling us just as much what's 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 a possible problem as you're telling us what what's possibly great. And and so many salespeople fail to really guide and 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 really care about the people they're talking to. So I really appreciate that. In fact, when you were talking, I was thinking to myself, um, boy, this if I wish I had known this analogy you just explained between the thing you love and the business you do, because in my world, um, Way back when I was uh, in the music business, there was this thing that everybody heard every day, the music business, the music business. And yet most of us were just in the music part right. of the music business. And we knew nothing about the business part of the music business. And so we became great songwriters, guitar players, musicians, producers. And we woke up one day and said, Where's the money? <laughs> right. Because right? you signed that contract with somebody else who was making all the money because exactly. they got the business part of it. Exactly. And so to your point, you really have to have a, a fully balanced knowledge of both the things you love to do and the things you can do and the fact that you're going to have to be an entrepreneur. You're going to mm -hmm. have to be a business person to implement systems and so on and so forth. And I just think that's so true and so honest. But tell us, what does success look like for your ideal clients? Like when you've found that person who, 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 who's a good fit for entrepreneurship uh, or for, for franchising or being a franchisee, you know, franchisor or whatever. What does success look like when they arrive at the place that you sure. take them to? Sure. Um, so that's when I can answer a lot more clearly with the franchisor lens. Okay. And um, to do that, I want to use an example. Yep. Um, so I started working with a company called Building Kids Preschool Franchise. Um, and, and it was uh, funny, at the International Franchise Association's 2014 convention in, um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and we were uh, just about ready to do the open bar at the end, you know, the cocktail hour and, and, and schmoozing people. Um, and I came up, I came across these two guys who were just glass eyed. And I'm like, guys, they haven't even opened the bar yet. What's going on? Uh, and I remember it's, it's Sanjay and Sangeeth are their names. And Sangeeth looked at me and said, man, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I'm like, okay, let's talk. Tell me what's going on. Um, and uh, they, they had brought this business that was going to be successful uh, to the franchising world. Uh, but they were going about it a lot of the wrong ways. They had gotten an attorney. Right? Everybody needs an attorney. But they didn't get a franchise attorney. Mm. So their documents weren't done right. Um, there was a few things that they hadn't put in place. They were that close. Um, do you know the difference uh, in prize money between uh, the first and second place winner in the Kentucky Derby? No. 300%. Wow. Do you know how they measure the winners? 
they call it buying nose because they take a camera they 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 have a, a camera at the finishing line mm-hmm. and whichever nose is sticking out just a little bit just further, a little bit more yeah they are not 300 percent that is not yeah. faster mm-hmm. right and so these guys just needed that nose mm. um, and that's what i was able to join with them and help them develop was that that nose that those couple of extra things that made them to where they are now the most uh, successful emerging franchise or in preschool. Um, and what I saw in them, to answer your question, was a couple of things. A passion for what they did. Mm-hmm. And how did I know that? I can't normally measure that this clearly, but the company was owned by three individuals uh, that each owned 25%. The other 25% was owned by a 501c3. They were using 25% of their profits to help underprivileged children. Okay, so I get it. You're in this for the right reasons. You've got the passion. You've got the drive. Um, the other thing was when I started talking to him about some ideas, maybe, you know, okay, here's what you're doing wrong, <laughs> but here's what you could maybe do better. Mm-hmm. Their, eye, their ears were open on both sides, even though I didn't know their business. Yeah. They, were, they were accepting an outsider's point of view. Um, now, they may have heard it, thought about it, and discarded it, as they should for some of it, but they yeah. were open and listening to it. Um, and then just when I hear when I heard their desire and passion to grow this business for the reasons they were doing it, that's how I knew I had a good franchise on my hands. That's why they became at the time and still uh, my one of my flagship clients at the time. Now my flagship client, um, and quite frankly, um, Sanjay Gahane, who is their chief marketing officer, uh, is also one of uh, one of my closest friends. Yeah, that, that's that's really that's cool. Thanks for sharing that story. Um, you know, <clears throat> you and I uh, completely agree, I think, on the concept of profitable happiness. So, um, you know, rather than ask you what you think about it, I'm going to actually ask you how you make the connection. So, for example, in my world, um, if, if someone is clear on what makes them happy, I help them use online marketing and LinkedIn and YouTube advertising and all kinds of things to create profit from that happiness. So I, I, I make that connection. If you were advising anyone listening today um, who may be interested in franchising about how to take wherever they are right now and become either the or or the E, the franchisee or the franchisor, what would your top three nuggets of advice be for that journey? Sure. Um, so first of all, with the franchisor, um, figure out if uh, would, the would-be franchisor yeah. Figure out if this is the right thing. Figure out if franchising is the right growth model, right? Mm-hmm. If it is, begin with the end in mind. Or mm-hmm. as I put it, act with intentionality, right? Always act with intentionality. Make sure that you know where you're going. What do you want to do? And that's the other thing, building kids back you know, to that story. Their goal was 50 and, fi- uh, 50 and five. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have 50 franchises open in five years. Um, just the fact that they had 50 and five, Every one of them, all three owners said 50 and five, uh, like it was one word. Um, let me know that they were um, laser focused on a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so have that goal. It's not just we want to become a franchisor because we want to grow our business and make money. That's great. And that doesn't mean you won't succeed. Mm-hmm. But if you have that end goal in mind, make sure that that end goal is realistic. Talk to people like me um, who have seen franchisors succeed and fail and see if what you're wanting is realistic. And then this one is most important. Have cash, have money in the bank. Don't shoestring this thing. Um, you know, it, franchising is expensive. 
it is an expensive venture. And when people look at franchising, they go, okay, you know, I'm not going to shoestring this. So let me add this and this and this and this. I'm going to spend 125,000 bucks. Great. Now you don't have any franchisees. Now what? <laughs> now you got to spend money to get franchisees. Um, and so make sure that you've got that capital in the bank to be self-sustaining, to not. And again, back to building kids. The first prospect I brought them was not, in my opinion, a good fit for their brand. That's not my decision to make. It's my advice to give. Yeah. I gave them that advice. And Vanita, the, the original founder of the company, looked at me and she said, why are we talking about this? And I'm like, okay, there we go. This is a company I want to work with. Um, if they would have been desperate, they would have took that check. And that would have been a mistake. And I've seen a lot of franchisors make that mistake. So from a franchisor standpoint, begin with the end in mind. Make sure that your business is, in fact, franchisable. Um, and make sure you have the capital to do it. And then finally, make sure you're ready to let go. Mm, how so? You're no longer in control of the business. Mm. You're no longer in control of the brand. Um, you know, if you hire me to represent you here in Dallas and you don't like the way I'm representing you, not violating any part of my employment agreement, just, you know, I just don't, Mike, I just don't like the way Michael talks about me. Yeah. You can fire me. You can't fire a franchisee. Hmm. They are now your representative in that market. Hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of things you can do to ensure you're getting the right people in. You're going to miss hundred percent guarantee. The only way you won't miss is if you're not successful in selling franchises. Mm -hmm. um, so realize that you're letting go part of your brand. You're letting go of your baby. Um, and it is your baby. It has to be. If you grew this thing, everybody is you know, so in love with that, that brand. Realize you're having to let this is, you're, you're putting the kid off to college now. Yeah. Sure, you can still influence it. Sure, you can still have those conversations. But you've got to be able to realize that other people are now going to influence the perception of your brand in other markets. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. You know, as we wrap up, if, if you could share with us something you are currently working on, a project, maybe tell us more about that book that you, you've, you've talked about, sure. but something that you're excited about and then how people can get a hold of you to follow up with that or maybe just to connect with you and learn more about franchising. Sure. So one of the things I did after um, about five years of, of being a consultant in franchising um, is I started working with the International Franchise Professionals Group and a few others uh, to do trainings, um, seminars, um, and just talking to people about whether they should franchise. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. So if you're considering franchising your business, um, get on the phone with me um, and let's talk. And I will do my best to talk you out of it. If I can talk you out of it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that, that's who should reach out to me. Um, what I'm working on right now, first of all, that book is was written in 2016, um, okay. it, which is like 2008. It feels like it was so long ago. Uh, so <laughs> so be, last year, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so last it, decade too. <laughs> it's getting a post-COVID update. Yeah. Um, here probably in the next uh, three or four months. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I'm working on with some stuff with Franchise Help, going to be doing some articles and writing for them. My passion, and this is why I don't own a writing company, is because my passion is writing. Mm. Um, so I like my passion was bakery. I, uh, baking, I went to own a bakery. My passion is writing. It's what I love to do. I write thousands of words a month, and I will never be in the business of writing <laughs> because I want to keep writing. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's my next project is, the, um, is working on that. And then I'm learning PHP, JavaScript, H and uh, some uh, pretty in-depth HTML.
Okay, first of all, you just said two things that gave me goosebumps because they're just so true for me as well. Let me tell you the first one. Earlier, you talked about this idea of if you're a baker, don't, or no, if you love to bake, don't necessarily think you must be a baker. Right. That's exactly the principle that I've brought into what I call profitable happiness. Because not all of us are going to become Michael Jackson or, or Prince. Look at that. Purple rain. Oh, right? <laughs> no matter, yeah, no matter how talented you are, right? Yeah. If you really want to continue doing that thing you love, bring it into your marketing strategy, bring it into your secondary processes, bring it in, but don't necessarily believe it must be the center because that may not be your thing. That, that's something that really connected with me. The second thing that connected with me is you just talked about being a software developer. Dude, I'm a software developer. Like I'm into PHP and all the stuff you just mentioned. So I want to thank you for sharing that. But, but, but see, I got excited there. But anyway, but before we add up, one thing to that. Yes, yes, please. I wasn't a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. So one of the things I would say that I think a most important lesson I've learned in the last five years, because uh -huh. um, we're always learning, right, is figure out, you know, those things that you absolutely can't do. Yep. Figure out how to do them. Wow. Um, when I first met my wife, I said, I'll help you. She's got a, she's a lawyer by day, but she's got an Etsy business by night. And I said, I'll help you with this stuff, but don't ever ask me to do any graphics. <laughs> now I do graphic design. Wow. I make logos. I make art boards. I know how to use uh, that. Um, my degree, my associate's degree is in HTML. It doesn't have a number in front of it or behind it. Mm -hmm. That tells you how long ago that was. <laughs> uh, there was no such thing as PHP back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured it out, man. You can learn what you want to learn if you're willing to become a student of it. Wow. Uh, Michael, I just have to say you are just an inspiration on all kinds of levels. And I'm so appreciative that you you came here and shared. Now, how can people get a hold of you uh, online? What's the best way to connect with you um, if they want to learn more or, sure. or maybe work with you? Sure. So first of all, I didn't kill my wife and I'm not a country singer. Uh, <laughs> so you got to Google Michael Peterson franchising. Okay. That's the absolute because the other two, uh, the most famous of my name uh, did those two things throw the franchising in front of it and you'll find you'll find my website you'll find my linkedin my facebook my book uh franchising uh franchisebeacon.com okay that's franchise beacon like a lighthouse.com mm -hmm. uh go to franchising.com you can read um and actually i'm going to give this a plug because this is actually i think really important and timely um on march 14th i wrote an article and had it published called what to do if you suddenly find yourself working at home Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you remember what happened the day after that article came out, um, but the Trump Trump came on to um, oh. TV and said, uh, the, uh, we're going to stay at home for 30 days. Um, and I wrote the article that I had it published the day before. Um, so number, uh, number one, uh, most read article on their website ever, franchising.com. Uh, put my name in their search bar. You'll find that. Um, and just, um, you know, go to my website. My cell phone number's on there. Okay, you I'm know what? My yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm actually going to share franchisebeacon.com, franchising.com. I'll do that search and, and bring that article up. I, I, wanted, I wanted to read it myself. Cool. Um, and um, we'll definitely share all of this information. But uh, Michael, I just want to thank you again for your wisdom and your time. It's been fun. It's been really exciting. And I really appreciate the time that you gave me today. All right. You take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. 
For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.